Happy Easter. Good morning. And welcome to New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN, where our goal every Sunday is to entertain, enlighten, and expose you to information that could lead to positive change in your life. I'm Larry Hardesty. Well, needless to say, we've been going through a difficult time adjusting to life under the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. My guest this morning is licensed therapist S.T.R. Brown. She'll have some tips to help you through this unusual time. Think of it as food for your brain. As we always suggest, you should be prepared to take down some valuable information you're here on the show this morning, and we thank you for allowing us to be a part of your Sunday. We'll begin this edition of New York Sports and Beyond after this time out on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome back to New York Sports and Beyond. I'm Larry Hardesty. My guest this morning is Estia Brown. She's a seasoned journalist and mental health expert. She currently serves as senior lifestyle producer at Interactive One and as a correspondent for the Dr. Oz Show. She is a graduate of Howard University, Columbia University's Graduate School of Journalism, and New York University's Silver School of Social Work. She is a licensed master social worker and holds a certification in evidence-based practices. Brown's television, print, and internet contributions include the aforementioned Dr. Oz Show, The Bill Cunningham Show, E! News, CNN, Nancy Grace, MSNBC, CW11 Morning News, Court TV, and many others. Join me in welcoming S. Tia Brown to New York Sports and Beyond. Hi, Tia. Hi, good morning. Good morning. How are you this Sunday morning? I'm good. Just trying to stay happy and healthy. Well, Tia, you were on the show ESPN New York tonight with Gordon Damer and I a couple of days ago, and there were just so many other things we wanted to ask you and we just didn't have the time. So I want to get right to it. Uh, but first, before we delve into you know, uh, all the different things that we're thinking about and going through as a society with this COVID-19 pandemic. I want to find out more about STR Brown. I want to find out what made you decide to take this course to be a licensed therapist. You know, I always enjoyed helping people. Um, a lot of people who are in the helping profession, they say they, they were caretakers <laughs> in some capacity. So definitely I was the oldest, uh, oldest uh, child in my household um, but, you know, even throughout, you know, high school and college, I was just always the person who liked helping others. And, you know, I started my career as a journalist and I realized that I was giving a lot of commentary about, you know, the issues behind celebrities' choices and, and why we need to be more empathetic and just naturally talking about coping skills and things like that. So I decided to go back and, and get an additional degree and so I could do um, work that was uh, more fulfilling. Mm-hmm. I love what I do. I'm one of the few people who's been lucky enough to have a career where um, I actually do things that I love every day in some capacity. Now, you do a number of things, but one of the things that we've seen you and most people are familiar with your work most for is with Dr. Oz. How did that uh, communication and, and, and situation come about? Um, with Dr. Oz, you know, it's all about relationships in every profession, right? So I knew some people who worked on his team. They were familiar with my work at the time as a lifestyle director at Ebony Magazine, uh, where I talked about life skills and all different things like that. And they were also familiar with some of my work in the past at In Touch Weekly mm-hmm. <laughs> as mm-hmm. a journalist at the tabloid and some of my, um, the things that I talked about around lifestyle, celebrity, and, and, and again, like the coping skills and things like that. So a lot of the things that we do uh, require, professionally require transferable skills. So 
network people, you know, always, always be nice to folks and you just never know where, where it takes you. You know, that, that's a fascinating point here. Let, let me ask you this as we transcend now into this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Here's an opportunity. And I saw somebody, and we kind of touched on it also uh, the other night on ESPN New York Tonight. But I saw somebody in an interview say that this, in some ways, is a lot like to uh, New Year's Eve, where you're in reflection of the previous year, where you're kind of looking forward to what you can do, how you can change your life, how there's some other things you can do. And in this scenario, you know, there are some calls for reflection. And if you're not real happy with where you are or you're thinking about a career change, you know what, Tia, it's kind of a self-assessment situation here too, which is one of the things you could be doing while you're you know, stuck in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It is a great time for self-reflection. You will... Um, never have more time when you're stuck in the house, you know, God willing, right? Ancestors willing than now. Uh, but I also encourage people to be mindful of not putting so much pressure on themselves to recreate who they are during a time hmm. of turmoil. So you have people who I saw a post where people are like, we're all on the same boat, but dealing with different parts of the storm or something like that. Meaning that everyone's situation is different. Some people are at home and they have the luxury to reflect. And some people are at home and they're trying to figure out how they're going to eat or dealing with the grief of losing a loved one or several loved ones. So I think the level of assessment you have is a luxury based on what your situation is, and you should treat it as such. Don't feel pressured to do anything besides maintain your mental and physical health. And if you have, if you are in, fortunate enough to be in a situation where your basic needs are covered and you're not dealing with tragedy you know, personally, then, and, and you feel like this is motivating you to take a look at some of the things you want to change, yes, do that. You know, this is a great opportunity to think about what you want out of life and, and make that a little bit more fearlessly than we have because I think the special part of New Year's Eve is that it reminds us that, you know, it's a new start. So for some people it can be a new start. But for others, this is really a time to just focus on being healthy and happy and, and doing that, I mean, connecting with friends, taking care of your mental health, doing what's necessary to really get to the next day and um, and be very real about the anxiety and possible depression that dealing with tragedy and crisis can cause in your life. We shouldn't, we shouldn't try to run away from that, you mm-hmm. know, by, by always doing glass half full. You know, sometimes some of us are dealing with the half empty side, so we need to be real about that. Tia, what's that thin line of not trying to make decisions be, uh, be, during the situation you're in as opposed to trying to make decisions looking ahead of the situation you expect to be in. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you're saying how do we look forward and, and be proactive and make decisions from a positive place regarding what's mm-hmm. next? Yes. Right. So I, I think, again, this is on a very individual basis, Um it's very important to maintain a positive outlook as much as possible and understand that no storm lasts forever. So we've all faced crisis in our lives. Uh, well, most of us have, I can't say all, or some level of disappointment, whether it's dealing with the death of a loved one, a disappointment, possibly a layoff. So we do have to think of the, the, what the pandemic is causing in terms of, of crisis in our immediate lives as a supersized version of those crises of those kinds of crises. 
So it does mean you want to look forward and think positively. One of the things that I really encourage people to be mindful of is what does this mean about how you want to change your interpersonal actions, right? A lot of us don't spend very much time with our family or friends outside of holidays or even, you know, little snapshots during the weekend. You know, so what do you want to, what, what are the permanent changes you want to make in terms of pouring into your life that way? Others, you know, we have, we are in, some people are in positions where professionally they're not satisfied, like you alluded to earlier, um, maybe with their current job or their current career. So there is an opportunity to look forward to, to, to look ahead and say, okay, well, what types of things do I want in my life um, now that I'm able to be, you know, a little bit reflective and want to be proactive about my choices. But really, you need to be realistic based on your situation. And, and I think that's key. Don't fall for the, you know, everyone says that I, um, the social media is like the highlight reel. You know, people always are looking at social media and even news bits, and they always have anecdotal stories of excellence. And, you know, and there are great things happening around us, and life is full of opportunity. But you also just want to be realistic based on your, your personal circumstances. Estia Brown is my guest. She's a licensed therapist. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 9870 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Next on New York Sports and Beyond, the range of emotions couples share during this pandemic. That's next on 987 ESPN. Thanks for stopping by New York Sports and Beyond on 987 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Let's continue our discussion with licensed therapist Estia Brown. Tia, anxiety. I guess that would be the watchword for all of us in a lot of ways. Anxiety of what we're going through, anxiety of what we see, anxiety of what the, quote, new normal is going to be. Right. We all are anxious, and the reality is that we don't know what the new normal will look like. And I think this is an exciting time in terms of understanding that and not knowing we get to create some of what our new normal will be. And I say that meaning if you are fortunate enough to have a job where you've been able to work from home, you know, for what we're at, at day 39 in, in many places, um, what does that mean for what your new normal could look like once we go back to work? And, and how can that impact your quality of life and, um, and your interactions with your family? It also means that we'll have different kinds of restrictions um, to make sure that we are protecting our health. If they're not imposed federally or statewide, they will probably be imposed, you know, by different households, right? We'll be more mining, mindful of certain things that we do. I, I liken this to what happened after 9-11, how it completely changed the way we travel. So this is going to completely change the way we interact. And I think it's possible to, to look at it, again, as a positive, right, and, and us focusing on the good stuff. But there will be some things that are restricted most likely in the way we interact with each other. It's really up to the individual to determine the lens that they put on that because things will have to be different, right? We, we, we understand that there is an invisible war. We're in, in, at war with an invisible, you know, villain, which is like this kind of level of virus. And, and it's scary, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going, to, it's going to change the way we feel about, you know, how we interact with others, how, how we move on, if we're taking public transportation, how we are in the supermarket, how we are in our intimate lives. Um, so it's just going to be very important for us to admit that those things create anxiety, the unknown create anxiety, and to be really honest with ourselves about how it's hindering 
our desire to have certain interactions. And that's really the best way for us to combat anxiety, to think about uh, when we're making certain choices, what's the motivation behind that choice, right? So when you see yourself doing something different, something that's making you uncomfortable or having an adverse reaction to something that you know in the past you haven't, you have to dig deep and say, okay, what's motivating it? The best way to, to deal with anxiety is in the moment before it snowballs. So it's almost like having scenarios for yourself, right? Where, okay, if I'm in this scenario, this is how I should deal with it. it, it it's kind of almost like the best right. way to deal with it. So like when I talk to people and, and myself included, we are nervous about the simple things like going going to the grocery store or taking a walk, depending on how dense um, the population is in your area or meeting up and speak with friends. So moment by moment, we have to deal with, okay, what is a smart you know, cautious decision versus what is me letting anxiety get the best of me, right? Mm -hmm. So some of the awesome things that I've seen people do are like having those drive-by birthday parties where they're keeping, you know, the six feet distance, but still getting together and, and sharing those intimate moments. Why is something like that excellent? Number one, it reminds us that even though we're isolated, we're still all together, we're still here uh, but most important, it reminds us that we're still loved and it allows us to have some level of social interaction. So really thinking ahead to kind of problem solve all of the issues that kind of take away our day-to-day -day joy are the best way to deal with general things that are making us anxious. But we have to be mindful. We're, we're not talking about anxiety on one level. There are also people who already have anxiety issues about interacting with others or being alone for too long or you know, being in crowds. So those people who are dealing with those kinds of issues have to be hyper vigilant about making sure that they're speaking with a mental health professional to really dig into how to manage some of those pre-existing conditions, given that we're in such a, a state of high alert. The the anxiety and the fear is out there, uh, Tia. There's no doubt about that. And I've had several calls just to give you kind of a summary that range from uh the way people were treated in an elevator because it was just them and one other person and the way the person addressed them to make sure that they put as much distance between the two of them as they could to people working alongside each other in a scenario where, you know, we understand that we all need money and I'm working next to this person. I can't be six feet away because of the job situation that we're in. And I'm trusting that this person has been tested. This person is honest that this person is not having any symptoms. But on the other side, I understand why they are working because we have to work to earn money because we don't know when we could be shut down. It's, it's a, it's just an amazing range of different emotions. And we're going to have to learn some empathy going forward, huh? We definitely do. And again, that's why I said it's like such a privilege when you get to work from home and, I think the word that you use in terms of empathy is super important. And there's another word that we have to keep pushing around as well. And that's respect. Mm. Uh, a lot of people aren't respecting boundaries. They're not respecting, um, you know, just general best practice regulations that have been circulating. And, and they're not respecting the fact that some people are going to be more uncomfortable than others. So best case practice there is to really treat people with as much respect and empathy as possible, understanding that some people are so anxious that the way that they may express to you that they want to be further apart may come across as a little awkward, right? Um, and so we, we have to be mindful of that. 
But for people who have to go out and interact daily uh, with folks, first of all, you know, we pray that, you know, they're able to have the resources to protect their health as much as possible. But um, in addition, in terms of practical tips, it would be great to really um, lay out the things that you need in order to make you feel safe as much mm. as possible, right? Because we know every every job is different. So if that means, you know, traveling a little bit earlier to give yourself time, um, you know, to kind of figure out the distancing thing or wearing extra supplies and, and, and maybe feeling a bit ridiculous if others look, but actually feeling better on the inside because you're feeling like that's helping you um, stay safe with the PP, uh, PPE regarding that. You know, n- another thing a lot of people are doing are taking more um, precautionary home remedies, you know, whether mm. it's teas or tonics, just to really build up their immune system uh, to make sure that they feel that their body is in optimal health. So I really uh, urge people to utilize all the two tools that are in their arsenal when it comes to protecting themselves if they have to go outside. And that is really one of the best ways to ward off anxiety because you know you've done all you can do. Tia, this uh, situation of being around each other in a closed environment is something we're all getting used to. <laughs> and right. in looking at different and looking at different reports during this, the 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 relationship between husband and wife and partner uh, <laughs> is is fascinating to me. I mean, it goes from I mean intimacy increasing to getting to know each other again, to getting on each other's nerves. And unfortunately, Tia, there's instances where domestic violence is up and divorce attorneys are saying they're getting more calls about divorce. Uh, take right. us through that range of emotions and how we can kind of neutralize. And I understand it's individual basis and everybody has different relationships. I got that. But is there kind of a, a how to get... How can we play well together <laughs> during right, this situation? Right. So I, I think what you said in terms of it's such an individualized situation is really the the biggest nugget here. So let's start with incidents of people who are in, you know, situations where there's some level of abuse, whether it's verbal or emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. The I'm sorry, physical or emotional abuse. The, the issue there is really trying to get ahead of putting yourself in a safe environment, which can be very challenging depending on the partner relationship because trying to leave the home alone can, can lead into incidents. But uh, for, for folks who are in, in concern of their physical safety, the biggest request would be um, or suggestion would be to find a, a loved one or, or even if you have to use legal resources or, you know, police to really put yourself in a physically safe environment. Because the other thing that we know is that um, in addition to um, domestic abuse, because the liquor source has been viewed as an essential service in many places, people are drinking more and people are using drugs more and then they're in isolation. And that coupled with anxiety is just a disastrous um, Mm -hmm. medley of things for anyone who's with uh, an abuser. You have to put your, your safety first. You have to also be mindful of the fact that because um, we are in a crisis situation, um, an immediate crisis, meaning if that there is, if there's an incident, the police reaction time is delayed. Mm-hmm. So really trying to be as proactive in a way that you can 
um, put yourself in physical in a physically safe situation is going to be the most important thing. And my heart goes out to anyone um, in the, in those situations. Um, regarding people who are in uh, another situation that you mentioned, which is you're you're just with your partner and you're realizing that you don't like them that much. <laughs> <laughs> that is a situation where clearly many people find themselves that they're in relationships and they're disconnected from their partners. And I think we lean towards the easier answer, which is, okay, you know, maybe this isn't working and it's going to be, you know, post-corona divorce season or split season. And I think another lens to look at this with is thinking about how you could, can more proactively reconnect with your partner, right? The reality is that many of us haven't taken the time to have tougher conversations with our partners and be active listeners in what some of our partners' needs are. So it's not always only just our partners disappointing us. Sometimes we're the person who's disappointing our partners. And it can be because we've evolved and it's not at the same rate. It can be simply because we haven't been maintaining the friendship the rituals of friendship that actually are the foundation for romantic relationships, which means talking regularly, dates regularly, and sex regularly, right? So you're not connected in any of those ways. I implore people to to consider how I can, how you can proactively try to reconnect with your partner before you decide to write them off. Mm. Now, there are some people who just realize, you know what, I can't take it. This is never <laughs> worth it. <laughs> I'm going to start planning my uh, my departure and for those people, you know, you want to just do a cost-benefit analysis to see whether or not it's not just the anxiety and the stress of this crisis that's pushing me over the edge. Now for our people who are in the best scenario possible, which is like, oh, I forgot that this person was so amazing. And I'm so happy to get to spend time with them, even if they do get on my nerves a bit. And um, if it's hard, you know, um, dealing with maybe, you know, some, some portion of the stress. You know, teaching the kids, dealing with working from home, maybe dealing with something else. This is really a great opportunity for you to think about the types of things you want to continue to do moving forward, right? You know, so many couples don't keep up rituals for healthy relationships. Again, regular date night, regular conversations, regular sex. And this is a time to really explore with your partner and talk to your partner about what does life look like post-corona for mm-hmm. us? What are the things that we want to remind ourselves of? What are... What are the things that we want to kind of integrate into our relationship that are reminders so that we never get too far off again? And to just really enjoy your time together. Because, again, you know, while this is a challenging situation for many, and this is definitely a crisis and a lot of terrible things are happening, there are some great nuggets of getting to spend time with loved ones and creating memories that you would have never had the opportunity to do before. You know, there's so many cute videos, again, anecdotal, on social media where you see people dancing together or playing board games or watching movies or, or, you know, cooking together. These are things that really connect not just couples but also also intergenerationally. It's something that you can do with the kids, and, and these kind of bonding rituals are just great for families. As Tia Brown is my guest, she's a licensed therapist with <laughs> helpful hints to get through this Corona-19 pandemic from a mental standpoint. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. You're listening to New York Sports and Beyond on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. When we return, the mental pressure of dealing with death for our first responders and their families. We'll tackle that next on 98.7 ESPN. 
Thanks for stopping by New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm Larry Hardesty. Let's conclude our chat with S. Tia Brown, licensed therapist. Tia, before we move on to something a little bit, you know, more, more morbid and, and more challenging, I want to give folks, and we'll do it again at the end of the show, but I want to give folks the opportunity right now to find out how they can reach you in case they want to enlist your services. They have some needs. They have some challenges that they want to talk to somebody about. Uh, how can they reach you? So you can go to rsgtherapy.org online, Ready, Set, Grow Therapy. And um, my IG is Tia Brown Talk. So feel free to reach out. All right, definitely. Um, Positive thing before I kind of turn left on you. Uh, With some, in some cases, there are older adults sharing the space with you. Tia, this is a great opportunity to talk about some family history, right? And chronicle this so that the oh, young absolutely. kids, the kids in your, in the family can tell stories, hear stories about their ancestors and kind of a history, kind of a, a roots version, right? Of, of how your individual family, <laughs> you know, came about. <laughs> absolutely. This is a great time for family storytelling, but I think it's important to not make it feel like a history lesson. Mm-hmm. So. The, the best way to do these kinds of things, and again, it, it goes from family to family, is really to gauge the temperament of, of the younger people in your family to think about the ways that they will be most engaging. For example, TikTok is huge, right? So if you do some dancing together and then you're eating together and then the conversation, and then you can naturally kind of flow, you know, more about familial stuff into the conversation, talking about the dances that you did back in the day. And then, you know, that can evolve into some more, um, you know, weighted conversation about the history. It feels fun, you know, and it's an exchange. And now you have some kids who would just love to sit down and have the discussion. So for those kids, you know, you can, again, have food, you know, drinks or whatever, snacks, and kind of just engage. But it's really about creating a way where it feels like an exchange and it feels like fun. And the reason why you also want to make it fun is because if it's a fun moment, the kids will remember the history, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the idea isn't just to talk at the kids, it's to talk to them and with them. So that way it becomes part of who they are and that it's a story that they're excited to tell. So another tip for that is really remembering to integrate things that are important to them at that life stage, right? So if you're dealing with smaller kids, you know, think about the things that are more interesting to them. Smaller kids are more interested in dynamic storytelling, mm-hmm. right, about, you know, tales that talk about journeys and that are just more interesting. But teenagers and tweens are going to be more interested in stories that relate to them or give them ammunition for something, right, because they want to feel like, you know, that they're connected or, or that they kind of know something more. So really just tailoring it to the age group is a great way to make sure that that story time goes a further way. Yeah, that, that that that's a great point because you have to make the adjustment. Just like many uh, parents are making that adjustment, Atia, in teaching their kids and homeschooling them during this time when when many of the schools are, are closed and some of them do not have the proper uh, uh, equipment to interact or integrate with what the, the the schools in their area are trying to put out. Absolutely, and you know this is again about resources. You know, we talk about a country being of have and have not. You know, the idea that every parent would have all of the resources and every school district is giving all of the resources or every school district is giving all the resources, we know is just false. We also know that a lot of parents are actually working full time while they're at home, and it would be hard to keep any child, but especially a younger child, engaged for the amount of hours 
that they need to or that they're being required to. So, yes, this is something that is aspirational, but one of the things that I like to remind folks is that we are in a crisis, right? So between your practical situation in terms of whether you have the resources, your practical situation in terms of whether or not you're actually working yourself and your child's temperament and their level of anxiety, you should temper the expectation that they'll be um, as productive in school as they would be under normal circumstances. Just like we're anxious, kids are anxious. They see the news, they're on social media, they hear our conversations. And even though they don't have the same responsibilities that we have, they do understand that there's a reason to be fearful. And they also miss their own rituals. They miss their friends. They miss being able to go outside. Uh, They miss being able to go to fast food restaurants or hang out in the park. So just I I encourage people to release themselves of the expectation that this is going to be a dynamic academic year and really go case by case. Tia, uh, closure in any situation where you lose a loved one is very important. And we're in a situation now because of the COVID-19 pandemic that, you know, you if you have a loved one that is in the hospital and they unfortunately pass away, you don't have that connection. You don't have that closure. You don't have that chance to say goodbye. What what are the challenges to move past that? to understand that, okay, I wanted to say goodbye to my loved one, but because of this situation, I wasn't able to. This is a tough situation because it's not just about saying goodbye. It's also about being able to take care of your loved ones while they're in their most vulnerable state. And COVID um, is robbing people and, you know, in our treatment, you know, access to treatment and access to safety precautions is really robbing of their opportunity to love on their loved ones during their most vulnerable time. So people aren't just mourning the loss of um, someone that they love. They're mourning their inability to be there to hold their hand during the last moment. They're mourning their inability to be there to feed them or wash them or just sit with them, you know, while they're watching television or sit with them while they're taking their final breath. And I think it's really important for people to understand that you're mourning all of those things, not just the death. So my tip for folks who are dealing with that is to, number one, you know, accept the fact that the situation is out of your control, right? So you're not choosing not to be with your loved one. You're choosing to, unfortunately, follow the law and not simply be punished for trying to do something that you're incapable of. You cannot be with your loved ones at that time. So it's not a failure in any way on on your part. Um, the second thing I would encourage people to do is figure out their own way and their own ritual of how they want to say goodbye to that person and honor their life. You know, in addition to not being able to be there with them while they're ill or when they pass away, we're not able to have funerals or repast ceremonies or gatherings after a person passes, which is another way to have closure in those situations um, and to also honor the person. So think about the other, the other ways that you can create closure for yourself in those relationships. And the third thing I suggest is to think about how you want to celebrate this person's life on the other side, right? So, and I'm talking about specifically the other side of this uh, pandemic. So there will be a time when people can gather. There will be a time when you can go to cemeteries in mass or have, you know, memorials in mass 
and and think about it in in terms of that that I will be able to honor that person in that way um, when we are able to gather again. So this is not a final um, a final piece of you know this is not a final. There's no finality in this in their death right now. There's still an opportunity to have a different level of closure, um, and and those are really all the things we can do at the moment. You know, a lot of people have made um, little memorials in their homes, you know, solo to honor folks. They put up memorials online. I personally, uh, unfortunately, know uh, a few people who passed away and um, families have done that. Another thing that families have done uh, are have collective Zoom memorials, right, where they're using um, technology to gather and just tell stories and honor the person in that way, which is really the purpose of a repast and a funeral, to honor their lives and to know that they were meaningful and important. But most of all, I encourage people to remember that their inability to be there is not a failure on their part. It's not because they, they weren't loving and they wouldn't want to be there and they didn't do everything in their power to honor their loved ones. And that is the only way you can start to kind of have closure and deal with the sadness and anxiety around um, not only losing people, but having people who are sick. Tia, I got a couple more questions before we end our segment this morning. And we thank you for taking a couple of minutes to chat with us and give us some, you know, some valuable tips on, on how we can try to get through this and how we prepare ourselves mentally, which is always a challenge. I'm just curious to step away from this for a moment with the, uh, with some of your clients, do you find, and we'll base this on the scale of sometimes people feel uncomfortable talking to therapists, okay, especially initially until you build a relationship. Do you find in this scenario, because we all are, even though it may be individually different for each of us, it's based on one common theme. Are people more open? Have you found them to be more open in their conversations with you as opposed to what they normally would be? I think that people are definitely searching for something. I think that mental health is a bigger conversation in general now because people, because the scenario is so extreme, people realize that they can't run away from how they're feeling. Right. And I, and I encourage people to continue to be courageously honest with how they're feeling. So it doesn't snowball, you know, so you can't hide how you're feeling and, you know, going to a shopping mall or, going out and partying or, you know, any, or even in working in the office and, and throwing yourself into those things. So you have to really deal with your, with how you're feeling. So in a cre- in, in addition to having increased anxiety, there, there are no maladaptive coping mechanisms that people can use, or they're limited, I should say, that people can use to run away from it. So yes, please use mental, mental health resources as an opportunity to, to really protect your, your mental health. I mean, dear, my, my sports audience is going nuts. <laughs> got, there's nothing live. There's nothing new live sports on there. They're pulling their hair out. I know. They're watching reruns. I know. Yes. Everybody's talking about that. You know, um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a good reminder also of how important certain things are to us. And But it also allows us to stretch some muscles to see what we like about it. So one of the things that I found so interesting is, in, in watching reruns, you realize that it's just really your love for the game, mm-hmm. right? And you find joy in doing that, and you have different types of conversations around that. So, and, and you take what you can. You know, that's another thing. Like people, 
you know, you always want what's new, what's hot, what's latest. But you realize that you can actually be happier sometimes or happy enough sometimes with what's available. So I think it, it gives us a lot of lessons about what we actually need versus what we want. And it's unusual because sports uh, has always been that diversion, Tia. It's always been, okay, we can take a pause from what we, we know. We need to hear the news and what's going on, but thank goodness the game is on tonight to give me a release. So you don't have the yeah. release of sports. You don't have the release of going to the movies, as you mentioned. And in some cases, depending on the space of your dwelling at home, you don't have the, the, the freedom to go into another room sometimes just to have a moment to just go, woosah. <laughs> right. There's no escaping, right? So you don't have escapism through sports and, and shopping and all of those other things that we used to physically get away or mentally get away. And physically sometimes, like you said, there's, there's no escaping um, in, in your household to even carve out your own little space. So this is one, it gets, it gets very real. So we talk about, you know, again, if you're in an unhealthy situation, putting your physical safety first, which means you may have to leave. But if you're in a situation where you're just uncomfortable or annoyed, really stretching your your own um, mental health tools in terms of how do I compromise? You know, when am I being selfish versus when am I not asking for enough? What are the things that I can do collectively um, that might be relaxing? Uh, how do I escape with, when I'm still in the midst of people? This is when meditation and, you know, and listening to music and, you know, all of those other things come into play where truly your your inner peace is what's most valuable. So those are the muscles you really have to stretch uh, depending on your scenario. Tia, last thing. Uh, I have been amazed at watching the first responders, be it medically, be it police, all the, all the people on the front lines. And we understand that there's a certain amount of, of death that they deal with. It comes with the job. But when you look at scenarios like we have, unfortunately, here in the New York area of over 700, over 700 people dying back to back days, over 7000 people dying. And you're on the front line and you see that Tia, mentally, how do you how can they survive that? How how can they deal with that? Understanding that, you know, we this is what we signed up for originally, but not at this level. This is this is just insane. They have to talk about it, and mm. that's the biggest thing. They have to find outlets to talk about it. I know a lot of places have, um, you know, the police department, fire department, even the doctors, nurses, and all the hospital staff. They have resources in place um, that are are at a at a, a strain right now because while you're dealing with the crisis, you often don't have the luxury of talking then. But they have to find the space and time to really. Um, speak about how they're feeling because if you bury it or bottle it up, it's going to present itself in other ways. Now, I know uh, the governor made a call for healthcare workers to kind of, um, to not to volunteer, but to align, to work and support people in New York as they are, are going through this crisis. But I really just implore people who, who have people who are first responders in their families to create spaces for them to kind of share things that they can handle it in, in the, in the, um, in the household. And if not encourage them to, to speak one-on-one with a mental health person as well. So that way they can just start to process it. The thing with, the thing with tragedy and the thing with trauma is that sometimes it doesn't affect you most um, harshly in the moment, right? Because you're still in function phase. They're still in, you know, they say fight or fight. They're still in fighting phase. They're still showing up. 
They're still doing the work and processing all of the things they see at one moment would in many cases lead to a collapse. Mm -hmm. But over the long term, you know, those things stay in your body. They stay in your spirit. They haunt your dreams. They make you more anxious when it's time to respond. They may make you more depressed. So I definitely think that um, you have to encourage people to find some space to work it out. So supporting people who, who yes. are doing those jobs, you, you also want to find some space to work it out, too. You know, if you're the wife, the husband, the kids, you know, they, they hear the stories. They feel the vicarious, you know, trauma of experiencing things of, or of even the interaction that has changed with um, that loved one and how mm. that impacts the family dynamic. So we don't want to just limit it to just the first responders. Their, their loved ones are also dealing with trauma. You know, even the trauma of not having them in the household, the trauma of every time they go out being fearful of what will happen, the trauma of fearing for your own health. You know, so there's so many layers in, um, into this. So we, we have to just make sure that we are talking about it and being honest about how we feel so we can deal with things as they come up. Well, we've only scratched the surface, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Think about with 9-11, you know, how many years later, you know, we're still talking. We talk to the kids, you know, the, the women who were pregnant, their kids are, you know, teenagers and young adults. And, you know, and how that, how losing the parent they never met still impacts them. People who took care of people, people who lost people. So it, 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 it disperses into the universe and it touches people in many different ways. And I think the biggest message is we cannot be afraid to say that our mental health has been impacted and use therapy as a tool to get better. It's amazing. It, it really, and, and that's why we love having you on because you take us and you, we, we tend to be kind of narrow focused in what we're looking at, but you just kind of expand it even more to, uh, because we, we always forget even when, you know, a, a loved one has been sick, we, we've, we sometimes, and not saying we should, we focused on the loved one who is sick, and sometimes we forget about the caretakers and what they had to go through and their mental status, as we pointed out earlier. So, you know, it, it's about expanding. And I guess, Tia, the whole bottom line and the whole thing to this to this uh, conversation we had this morning is, which is hard for some of us, it's talk it out, talk it out, talk it out, right? Talk it out. Don't be embarrassed if you're sad or if you're scared. Understand that anxiety happens on multiple levels. It doesn't make you weak. Fear doesn't make you weak. The only thing that you need to worry about is protecting your mental and physical health. And you do it at any cost, right? So that's the biggest thing that I want folks to take away. And we will get through this. It's going to be crazy and it's tough and, and it feels like a movie. You know, I don't know how many times I've said that. You know, my friends and I, when we talk about it, we talk, we say that clients who say that because it does it feels unreal but this is our reality it is it really is stia brown licensed therapist how can we get to you again if we need information we need your help how help us how can we get to you <laughs> <laughs> i want um ig it's tia brown talks and um rsgtherapy.org listen be safe thanks for some great information this morning and we definitely will talk again soon have a great day have a good day. Bye-bye. That wraps up this edition of New York Sports and Beyond here on 98.7 ESPN. We thank you for listening. We'll join you during the week on ESPN New York tonight and right back here next Sunday morning on New York Sports and Beyond. For my all-world producer, the legendary Ray Santiago, I'm Larry Hardesty. The conversation continues right here on 98.7 ESPN New York.